0: Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. I'm your host, Aaron Huey. I met my guest uh, at an award ceremony, actually, and was uh, privileged enough to be the moderator for a panel that we did about the future of healthcare, mental health care, post-COVID. And Tanya's, what what Tanya brought to the table was, the wellness piece and i know i know i know here we are we're going to talk about self-care again god aaron can we just talk about tools that we can use on our teens that are struggling and we are this is this is the piece that is so so important that we have this conversation about what is being mindful, what is taking care of yourself, what is a healthy relationship with food and exercise even look like, what are we doing and modeling that we know nothing about, and for crying out loud, how do we get our children who are struggling with mental health issues? to start focusing on the physical health. What about that belly brain? What about gut health and the neurotransmitters that are existing in our gut science? Well, Tanya is the expert on that. Tanya is the founder of LIT Wellness Solutions. Uh, this is conventional medicine, nutrition, best practices, and applied wellness methods to provide the strategic tools for you to really have mental health wellness. Thank you for joining me again on Beyond Risk and Back. Tanya Jolliffe is my guest today. Tanya, it's good to see you again. Great
1: to see you. Thanks for having me. I
0: appreciate it. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure uh, In in talking with you on the panel out there in Vegas. And we both just talked about Vegas itself. And aside from the fact that I was encouraged the entire time I was there, to as Mr. Burns from The Simpsons would say, empty my pockets and scuttle off. I found myself with very limited food options. Uh, My relationship with with diet is very important, but there I was at Johnny Rockets. Am I allowed to say that on the air? Maybe so, because it's a good burger and an amazing shake. They're not paying me to say that. But I sure paid them. It was thirty eight dollars for my hamburger. Um, what? I, my first question as we get into the who Tanya is and why Tanya does, what Tanya does. When we travel, Tanya, it's so hard to take care of ourselves. What are out of the gate? What are your top three solutions? When we are on the road, when you are on the road to take care of your relationship with food, your relationship with exercise, what do you do differently?
1: Well, you definitely have to think about it differently. And I will say that uh, I've been practicing for 30 years. And so if you think it's hard now, 30 years ago, it was really hard. Um, think about things. But number one tip is um, small is your friend, you know, biggie size stuff, double size stuff, um, you know, th- that's not your friend. And that's where we get in trouble. Um, number two is every restaurant has something that is healthier, that is around 500 calories. There may only be one thing on the menu. Johnny Rockets had one thing on the menu. <laughs> I went to Ufgum Shrimp. They had one thing on the menu. So there, they, there is one thing. And my last tip is don't be afraid to look at the sides and just order two sides. Uh, I, you can order a side of broccoli and a side of mac and cheese and the portion size will be right and the, um, the way it's prepared will be right and that can get you through with a little bit of bread that they're going to bring you and lots of unsweet tea or sparkling water. Wow. Sparkling water is your friend. I love sparkling water um, versus soda, diet soda. So those would be my best top three is that there is something on the menu. Now, whether you like it or not is a different story. (laughs) Um, We get to get into that whole thing of, well, I'm in Vegas. Let me just eat. You know, this is a special occasion. And suddenly such special occasions used to be one time a month. Now they're three times a week, right? So it's just, it is mindset and it is thinking about, it's not creating more rules. It's just saying 90% of the choices I make, I want to be healthy, whole food options. And the other 10 are going to fill in themselves with family gatherings, eating out special occasions, that kind of stuff. And if you kind of keep it in mind that way.
0: That's brilliant. I I actually, I mean, of all the, of all the, the fad diets and everything that I've tried throughout the years, and have really landed on the keto. That me and keto just worked so well together. And I know it doesn't work for everybody, but that low carb thing, my brain kicked into play. The healthy fats thing, and it was just like, oh. But I will also say, Tanya, that is that my cravings went away. And as a as someone who does not remember life without cravings, the past two years have been heaven sent. Because I don't crave, I don't just not crave drugs and alcohol and and 23 years of sobriety has not changed my cravings. It's changed my response to my cravings, but the past 2 years I've had no cravings for sugar, no cravings for carbs, and no cravings for drugs or alcohol, and it's been incredible. So I want to talk about this type of stuff. I want to talk about the changes that that take place when our relationship with food, with nutrition, with exercise starts to change. But first, How the hell did you end up doing what you're doing? And I'm going to say for the record, Tanya, we were there. And the first thing I noticed about you was how healthy your skin looks. I was, I was enamored. I was like, wow, like you, you have a radiant glow. You have very healthy skin. And, I, you know, it, it, when you're in Vegas and, and all the everybody on the panel was women, me being like, you have beautiful skin. I didn't know how that would land, so I kept it to myself. But now that the masses are listening, including my wife, you really have beautiful skin. You have very healthy, nice, radiant skin. So I'm just going to, for the record, it's on tape.
1: You and I would say water, water, and more water. Water and don't use a bunch of chemical stuff on your skin. Don't use a bunch of face washes and all that kind of stuff. I never have. I use a little bit of basic 99% soap, and that's it. And you know, people put all that junk on their face because the people told them that it had good stuff in it, and it really is just a bunch of chemicals that you're putting on your skin. Right. But really, it's water. Uh, I gave up diet soda and soda, and I didn't drink soda since college, but Diet soda, I gave up diet soda about seven years ago um, in favor of water and sparkling water and green tea. And it, that will take away your cravings for sweets, just right there, getting away from diet soda. I
0: want to say something about that, because while we're talking, I have a very colorful can in my hand, but you can see it's, it's yerba yeah. mate, and this one's sugar-free. This one's sweetened with monk fruit. So I'm not, I'm not uh, drinking some crazy monster- monstrous uh, energy drink. I'm drinking Yerba Mate. But back to the point, how did you end up doing what you do and why?
1: Okay. Um, 30 years ago or so, I was a um, registered dietitian, Took my did my internship and started my first job. And actually, it was um, as a research dietitian. And I worked with um, alcoholics with alcoholic hepatitis at the VA. And that gave me the perspective of, boy, here's, here's how far you can go with uh, end stage liver disease. And from there, um, that, it was a, a NIH grant and it was supposed to be five years and they ended it, it early. Um, and so I then went from there to end stage organ disease. So it was end stage kidney disease, end stage liver disease um, and kidney, liver and pancreas transplant. Um, and I did that for five years uh, at a um, teaching hospital here in Cincinnati and learned a ton about what happens when your organs go and how that affects your life and how that affects um, family dynamics and how that affects um, a whole lot of work, your ability to work, all that stuff. Um, And then I stayed home with my kids for about seven years. And um, after my kids were in school, then I went to work for an online health and wellness company. And I was um, an online health coach, basically, answering message board posts. And doing um, a paid premium uh, coaching program. And I worked with adolescents on a website, it's not there anymore, but called Spark Teams. And I helped with all kinds of Spark Teams. So they would say on message boards all kinds of stuff that they wouldn't say to their parents, they wouldn't say to their coaches, they wouldn't say to their teachers. A lot of it was eating disorders, a lot of it was bulimic behavior, restricting behavior. But it was also um, the latest fads for um, fitness and health. And just, you know, if you read it on the internet, it must be true. So they would ask the question, should I do this? Should I not do this? Et cetera, et cetera. But I also worked on the adult side as well. So then I would have parents who were asking questions. This is what's happening to my team. This is what's happening in my family. How do I help this? So I had both sides. Um, Then from there, I actually went to transportation wellness and worked with truck drivers. And then I saw that they had all the same, all these problems. They had family dynamics. They had um, eat, poor eating habits. So it, it just kind of was a web and a flow. Um, helped a company. You, they were we were acquired. Once you have a company acquired, you get one year and then you're let go. And they bring in their new people. And I just said, you know what? I'm tired of going and coming and going and coming. I'm going to start my own business, and I'm going to bring to the table my experience of 30 years, and what I see happens in families, what I see happens in individuals, and what I see happens in companies that doesn't help people be healthy and well, and it's why our healthcare costs keep going up. It's why our family dynamics are so stressed and strained. We are multidimensional people. We do not just bring one dimension, and yet we look at everything in one dimension. We look at mental health in one dimension. Instead of looking at how it affects social and relational well being, how it affects physical well being, how it affects financial well being, um, family dynamics is the same way. You've got one child that's being hauled around all over the country to the other siblings, um, select soccer or select baseball or select dance or gymnastics. And yet the younger child who's being drugged all over the country is the one who's acting out. But nobody ever stops to understand maybe he's tired of being second place. Maybe he's tired of not having the family dynamic be about him because it's about the star child as he sees it or she sees it. Um, and I've lived that out as well. I was a high school, college, and college athlete. Um, I, I, I have brothers whose athletics didn't come as well to them. You know, those, I've, I've lived it myself. I've seen it in my children. I've seen it in cousins and nieces and nephews. And it's family dynamic. And it's, it's lifestyle well-being all wrapped in one.
0: There, there's a, as you were talking, a bunch of questions came up for me. And I think (laughs) one that uh, stood out very quickly that I want to answer for the listeners of the show is what is the difference between an eating disorder and disordered eating?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Um, An eating disorder is been clinically diagnosed. You have certain criteria that medically a doctor has said, yes, you meet this criteria, this criteria, this criteria, this criteria. Um, That number keeps going up, but the bigger number is people with um, disordered eating. I myself fit in that category. I had disordered eating in college as a college volleyball player who was given a playing weight, and I was struggling to meet that playing weight. And so I learned all these different tips and tricks and strategies to help me meet this goal in an unhealthy way. But I never went to a doctor and I never had um, a a diagnosis of any kind. So I would not fit into the eating disorder community. So that would be the difference. Um, Insurance, for instance, unless you have a disordered eating disorder diagnosis, insurance is probably not going to cover it the same way that they would. Um, People who are chronic dieters, and we have a chronic dieting, we have a diet culture. Um, The vast majority of people have disordered eating, and it's hidden in the idea of I'm dieting. And diets are things you go on and you go off. And if you look at your own past behavior, any mom out there, any dad out there, I did this fitness thing for a while, then I did this diet thing for a while, keto, diet phase, um, CrossFit, fitness phase. Um. Jane Fonda was a fitness phase years ago, and a lot of those moms, and now a lot of those moms have hips and knees that they have had replaced because it was so hard on their body. Right. But they maybe lost ten pounds, but the the dynamic for their lifestyle well being wasn't really there. So I am somebody who does not buy into any longer diet culture. I do not buy into fitness culture. I look at health, and that is a wellness value to look at health over fitness. Um, we are not a society that talks about um, uh, body types. We are not a society that talks about, you know, you look at the person that's held up, they're, they're a mesomorph. They have the genetic um, lottery that they have hit when they were born, and they can build out in the, in the gym, and they can be buff-looking, or they're an endomorph, and, or exomorph, sorry, And an ectomorph is the one that's on the runway model. They're the ones that are held up as the pretty little princess that can eat whatever she wants and never gains weight. And she's thin and a waste. It's a body type based on genetic lottery. And all the endomorphs out there in the world are the ones spending all the money trying to become like a mesomorph or an ectomorph that you will never be able to become because genetically that's not how you were made that's not how you were created, and so they're do- they're preying on the endomorphs who have a body type that can't reach these ideals, and that's who's spending the money, and there's a third, a third, a third in the nation, so there's a third that's going to be an ectomorph-ish, there's a third that's going to be a mesomorph-ish, and there's, there's in-betweens, there's ectomorph, mesomorph, there's mesomorph, ectomorph. So there's, there's, there's varying things. Sure. And I have a free thing on my website actually that kind of explains all of that. It's a handout that people can download um, to, to try to explain it because that's one of the things with kids, moms, dads, it doesn't matter. You know, siblings, you look at siblings, we're all genetically different, even though we come from the same gene pool. Um, I have two brothers that take after my father, Two brothers that take after my mother's side of the family, and my older brother and I take after my dad's side of the family. We're two different body types, even though we come from the same exact genetic pool.
0: When, when families are struggling when parents are struggling with their with their kids when their kids are struggling the parents follow suit or vice versa right it's a trickle-down it's a trickle-up effect with family struggles that's why we have to consider the issue systemic your kid uh, uh, attempts suicide your kid ODs that traumatizes the parents so there there's a the struggle suddenly is shared amongst the entire family you've got a you've got a kid who's bipolar everybody in the family is affected by this it seems that that in the top five things to go um, are, you know, sleeping, eating or nutrition, drinking water, moving the body and breathing on purpose. And all five of those things are pretty much cornerstones of having a healthy fit life. What is the drive to limit ourselves to a healthy, from a healthy lifestyle when we feel stress. How come stress does not inspire us to double down on, our relation, on a healthy relationship with food and fitness?
1: Uh, I think the biggest thing is we see it as work. We see it mm. as hard and we have so many things that are hard in our life right now. I don't need one more hard thing. I don't need one. And if you strip it away, you'll understand. And, and parents know this innately. When I say this, the, the parents listening are going to go, oh, she's right. This yeah. makes sense. This is their coping mechanism. Their lattes, their sugar, their fat, their you know, high fat fried foods, the alcohol, they're all, that's their coping mechanism. And to see water as a coping mechanism, that's not what society tells you. <laughs> that's not what you're seeing on the television. That's not what you're seeing on um, commercials. That's not what you're being sold. You're being sold on pleasure. You're being sold on um, gluttony. You're being, you know, you're being sold on worldly values and not wellness values. That's really the biggest thing. Um, and and I, that's why I try to dig into what, what are wellness values. And how can families do it? And the other thing I will say is that no, no matter, okay, you, you, there's a child who's bipolar and the parents are, uh, you know, they're involved and they're in the middle of it. So is any other sibling. So is a grandparent. So is anybody else who loves that family member and who loves that family. It doesn't matter what the trauma is to that. It's not just, it's not isolated. Right. And so that's why I really believe that families can move forward by having a family lifestyle wellness kind of approach. I'm not going to bring soda into the family. I'm not going to bring diet soda into the family. I'm not going to, we're going to build in walking. We're going to get, we're going to turn our television off. We're going to um, look at relational well-being, and we're going to try to get to the heart of here's some family rules. We don't speak this way to one another. We we put ourselves in a separate room if we are angry. We don't speak out of anger. People have the right to their feelings and their emotions, and we need to learn how to talk those feelings and emotions. So I can give some tips in each of those categories, but it, it's really stepping back and saying, okay, this is our family. We're not in isolation. It is not – one of the things I – I hate, and I I don't like to use the word hate, but I'll use the word hate. This is our athlete. This is our bipolar child. This is our dancer. This is our, we're labeling all of these people in the family by what they do instead of who they are. They're kind, they're giving, they're supportive, they're energetic, they're quiet. We're, we're labeling them. And, and that's what the world does. The world labels all of us. And we do it without even recognizing it in our own home. And so as soon as you become the child that's bipolar or depressed or anxious, you live into that. You live into the label that you have been given and that your family uses in your presence. And so I want people to step back beyond that and start to look at, you know i've known some bipolar people some anxious people some depressed people how could i define them differently giving caring quiet thoughtful you know what are some other words i could be using to help mm. them put some language behind that
0: it it feels like a hard sell when you're having a, a you know the 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 mom the dad maybe they're single maybe they have a partner involved but there's, there's a job, there's a mortgage to pay, there's other children, and you have a child that's one of your children, or your only child, is blowing sideways. There's a, there's, they're struggling with anxiety, they've had a traumatic experience, it's, it's showing up now in anxiety, and they've started to self-harm, and you don't know whether to hide the kitchen knives. And then you go to find support from places And the first thing you're told, or somewhere along the way, is told exactly what you said. You have to do more work. Start cooking your meals at home. Start family dinner. And and look, I have promoted family dinner to the point of, of trying to get TED Talks about it. It is the number one way to keep your children from risky behaviors is family dinners but that's work and when you are burnt stressed fatigued uh uh, overworked underpaid etc 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 and then you and me come along and i'm saying you have to have family meals are you adding more work by saying you gotta cook it well family
1: meals and cooking are two separate things
0: yes so i'll take that
1: i'll I'll just you know, put that out there. Um, You can go through the drive-thru and you can go through Chick-fil-A or Subway or wherever, and you can have a family meal. Right. See what I'm saying? So let's separate the two of those. Yes. Cooking is one, one side of it. And I will say that cooking has become this idea that it has to be 50 million steps
0: and it's got to (laughs) be
1: hard and whatever. And you can't
0: get to the recipe. You can't even get to the recipe online without reading this person's blog about their experience in Vienna and blah, blah, blah. It's like, just give me the recipe.
1: But again, we're trying to we're trying to tell people, Oh, love food and go with organic and go with all this and yes. go with all that. And people say, well, organic is way more expensive. Yes. I can't fit it in my budget. So therefore I'm not going to do it. Right. And so the world is telling us what we should do yeah. based on what they want us to buy, based on what they want us to consume. So what I would do is strip it back and I would say a chicken breast can easily be grilled and put on the table in about 10 to 15 minutes. Right. At the same time, you can grill or roast um, Brussels sprouts, which kids might not like.
0: Carrots, they're beans, so wonderful.
1: Salads, you know, any of those things. You can have basic whole foods, very simply done, grilled or broiled underneath the broiler in about 20 minutes. If you can have it be a family activity that each family member has one role, maybe your role is setting the table, maybe your role is pouring the milk or the water or whatever, your role is, you know, helping me cut those Brussels sprouts and getting them in. It it and I get it, okay? Not every family member is going to be able to participate and how do we how do we do that? Okay. Let's focus on what can be done instead of so much focus on what can't be done. Right. What can A a member of the family do can they bring the food in can they put it away can they um, I I've had the battles with my own with my own family I I understand hard children but I also understand that listening to what that what what are they willing to do and one of the dynamics that we see I do it myself is um, telling a child what to do. Versus bringing them into the conversation and asking, what are you willing to do? Which, which tour would you like to have? And every kid's different. You know, I, I've known children who you laid three things out for them and said, pick an outfit. And they were as thrilled as could be. I've known other children that you laid three outfits out and it was stressful and anxiety producing. And all they wanted you to do was tell them what to wear. Right. So you got to pick and choose what works for your family. But it's having that dynamic and having that conversation and saying your feelings and your emotions are one part of your life. How are they influencing you socially in our family and with your friends? How are they affecting you relationally and social well-being and relational well-being? They go together, but they're separate. They're two different elements. They're two different parts. Um, And so it feels like more work. But in reality, it's helping you address the very things that are stressing your family out and are making you feel like it's beyond me and I can't do it. You see what I'm saying? It's like if I say to somebody, you need to give up soda, you have diabetes and you need to give up soda. And if I say, give it all up, all or nothing, it's pretty sure that they're not going to give it up. Or if they give it up, it's going to be for a couple weeks and they're going to go right back to it. But if you say, okay, let's do it in steps. Let's do it in phases. Let's go to one soda a day, and let's, let's take it one step at a time and see how it works. Um, we are each an experiment of one. Our family is an experiment of one family, and we spend a lot of time taking the tips and the tricks that work for another family and then being upset when they didn't work for our, our, ourselves. That's why I say if you looked at a lifestyle wellness promotion program and your family went through it together, you came up with three goals that your family agreed upon that you were going to work on. What are those three goals? Well, they're going to be different for every single family, you know, and it's worth the time if what you're doing now isn't working. If what you're doing now is working, keep doing what you're doing. Don't make a change. But if what you're doing isn't working, maybe there's a different thing to try to put your family in the focus that says everybody has a voice and everybody has an idea of what might work for the struggle that we're facing.
0: Tanya, when we come back, I want to talk about uh, the relationship to fitness and exercise, understanding uh, the difference, getting to understand body rapport. So hang tight for a second. We'll be right back. The whole purpose of Beyond Risk and Back is to interview the experts from all over the world, like Tanya, with uh, talking about relationships uh, with food, with exercise. To, to the people I've interviewed in London and and in Cape Cod, and I want you as parents to know the exact same things that we are getting together in these conferences and talking about. Because we go to these mental health care and addiction conferences, we go to brain development conferences and these experts get up on stage and they share their information. The goal of this podcast has always been to make sure you know what we know, that there is no gap in access to the experts. As another layer of support, what I'm asking every parent on this show to do is go to Parenting Teens That Struggle on Facebook. That is a free page I have. It is a private group, so you have to answer a couple questions to get in. I moderate the group. I'll let you in. I post videos. I post these podcasts. Uh, I I do interviews with parents who are going through what you're going through with your kid, whether it's bipolar or dependency issues or technology uh, frustrations with social media or self-harm, suicidality, mental health disorders, Parenting Teens That Struggle is the free place to make sure that you know where your tribe, your clan, your peeps are. Like I said, it's free. The goal of this show is to make sure that you as a parent have access to the experts, not just the other experts telling each other what's happening, but that you go to Parenting Teens That Struggle. You 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 listen to the shows, you watch the videos, you interact with the other parents on that page. And it's free. So this is a quote, end quote, commercial to invite you to yet another free resource. I'll meet you there. Parenting teens that struggle on Facebook. It feels like the big miss with exercise and our relationships to exercise, Tanya, is the fact that I wonder if we really know how to listen to our body. Do you, because you you hear people say it all the time, I, I just realized I haven't drank any water today. Like your body's been telling you all day it needs water. But, but, we get numb to it. and I love what you 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 said earlier when you were talking about selling the sin, right? when when we we get told that alcohol is better or diet a, a diet soda is better, or fast food is better. Why? Because it's so easy and it'll give you energy and it'll refresh you. And I remember watching a hamburger commercial of a very famous fast food chain where they say, our chicken nuggets are one hundred percent tender and I had to say in my mind as I heard them say that, what does that even actually mean? 100% tender as opposed to what? And then it was like, oh, they're trying to make me think natural. They're trying to make me think organic. They're trying to sell me on something it's not. But we get sold these things so much that our body starts to crave them. We've lost body rapport. And if we're going to, I love to be in the gym every single day. I really have experienced the best parts of me while I've been eating, not on a keto diet, because I didn't do a keto diet to lose weight. I did a keto diet to improve my health, because the cravings at 50 years old had finally, I can't do it anymore. So, but, but that was me talking to my body. When I have a craving and know, golly, this is this is my body, what am I stressed about? Well, this was a hard day at work, and now I crave potato chips. How those two things go together in my body is what I learned by focusing on proteins and vegetables and healthy fats. And I love eating like that. I was not eating like that in Vegas where you and I met, but I also give myself breaks. I also give myself cheats. I But... I got to, I got to listen to my body and I'm good at that. How do we establish body rapport?
1: Well, what you just described um, was basically what my book, The Mindful Me, it's a journaling program. And you, what you just described is the process that you went through on your own to discover what am I doing and why am I doing it? How are feelings and emotions brought into the decisions that I'm making? You
0: mean when I was talking about, I've had a stressful day and now I crave potato chips. How do those things like, and recognizing that they were connected.
1: Right. right. So you went through that process on your own, which is, that that's a wonderful self-discovery thing. My journaling program is designed for people who can't do it on their own. So it's full of a bunch of open-ended prompts and questions. And one of the things I have seen is that people... With unhealthy, in families, usually teens, with unhealthy eating practices, it came from parents who have unhealthy eating practices. And parents are the ones feeding their children, right? They're the ones, and they a lot of times did what their parents did. Or they know they should lose weight, so they're going to try this diet for a while, so then the whole family tries that diet for a while. And so it's, it's not teaching children how to be in tune with their body. It's basically just what's the program? What am I allowed to eat? What am I not allowed to eat? And that goes back with the whole good foods, bad foods, and all of that stuff, which again, one of the things people need to accept and understand is that commercials and television and movies are propaganda. They are trying to sell you something and that is their goal. And, turn it off. Don't don't rely on that to tell you what's the next thing you should buy or should try or or whatever. Um, if you if you go back to what are the basics food comes nutrients come from food. They come from whole foods. They come from the chicken, they come from the eggs, they come from beef, they come from pork. They come from and you get to decide which of those are the healthier for you. Fruits and vegetables, I will say, They aren't as loaded as they used to be. Right. Our earth has been stripped. Our our, um, seeds have been modified. We have genetically modified seeds now. And so they aren't as nutrient rich as they were, which is why we see people who are vegetarian who still have problems with, you know, low vitamin C levels. And you think, how could they have low low (laughs) vitamin C levels? How
0: could that possibly happen?
1: Right. So, listening to what the commercial's trying to sell you and going as that is your guide. Sugar, sweets, diet sodas and diet soda. People drink diet Coke and diet Mountain Dew like it's going out of style. And they say, but it's diet that triggers the sweet in your brain that triggers the sweet tooth. And your body is reacting to it in terms of the, the signals in your brain over and over and over and over again, the bond on uh, f- fake, uh, sugar is one bond off of formaldehyde. Jeez. The, the, the chemical makeup of it is one bond difference than formaldehyde. And so your body reacts and you have some autoimmune responses and immunity responses and your tongue feels, senses the sweet. And so it keeps that craving going for more and more and more. It's actually 10 times sweeter than regular sugar. And so it is constantly signaling that you need, you need more and you need more and you need more and you need more. So when you go on a diet that's less carbohydrate and more focused on vegetables and the, the sugars that, are, that come from those are less sweet, right. you know, babies, a lot of times they say, try vegetables first before fruits because the vegetables have less sugar in them than the fruits. It's that same thing. It's going back and recognizing that your brain will signal for more and more and more. So you have to be in touch with what are you eating and why are you eating it? And usually that starts with a parent. It can start with a teen as well. Um, but keto diets have its place. It's have its place in trauma. It has its place in, in um, it was created a keto diet was created for uh epilepsy it was created for brain issues so it's a great alternative for to to rest the brain but it's not a diet and that and the marketers have decided it's a diet i didn't marketers uh, have decided for everybody
0: no i didn't i didn't lose weight yeah i didn't lose weight because i was eating keto i was losing weight because the keto gave me a kind of energy that i said wow i've got I got more to give in the gym. I got more. My my workouts changed, but but that the amount of healthy fats, like the amount of the avocado, the olive oil. The, they were like, yeah, baby, and I was like, well, my brain those kicked brain.
1: in. Those feed the brain. Those yeah. are DHA. Those those feed the brain, and so you're you're switching out. So I guess what I was trying to say is that. People can incorporate healthy fats and separate those to substitute avocado oil or olive oil for vegetable oil. Right. And you're going to start to see some of those same benefits, whether you're following a keto diet or any kind of special diet. Right. Right. If you cut out the sugars out of your diet and diet sodas, and you move in favor of water, and you move in favor maybe even of sparkling water as a way, I still love bubbles. So I drink sparkling water because that gives me the bubbles and the mouthfeel that help me not want to go back to a diet soda. So that for me, you know, my husband's like carbonated water. Who needs that? <laughs> Great. It's not for you, but I love bubbles and it's for me. Um, so just tr- starting to make some of those trade-offs that get you back to a whole food. I, one of the examples I like to use is um, applesauce yeah. an apple has fiber. It has. Um, the nutrients that applesauce has, but the applesauce has less fiber. And then when you go to applesauce, you have a choice between sweetened and unsweetened. So there's three different levels. The apple is best. A whole apple, cut up, whatever, a whole apple is best because of the pectin that you're going to get and the fiber. Unsweetened applesauce is better, and sweetened applesauce would be your, your third best option, in terms of getting a fruit. And making fruit your dessert at the end of your meal is a great way to finish with that sweet without looking for pie, cakes, candies, cookies, etc. <laughs>
0: So I have a question about fiber. And just, I mean, we we just have an expert on where we can ask these these questions too. And and I've I've talked to nutritionists in the past and one who was like, when they when they measure, you know, the, the, the bones and they analyze the diets of Neanderthal and primitive human, the amount of fiber we took into our bodies was off the chart compared to what we eat today. Now, currently, and I'm I'm sure everybody listening is gonna love this. I'm doing a fiber, uh, like a like a high fiber work. I'm, I'm doing a colon cleanse. And I got suckered in by this wonderful colon product because I really liked their marketing. And when I received this really expensive jar of dust, it's the same thing that's in the really popular brand Metamucil, right? There's no sugars in it. There's no, it, it's, it's, but it's the same thing. It's 95% psyllium husks. Now, my question, and I did this because I was farting a lot. I I felt bloated and and I feel the experience. I feel the effects that I was looking to feel. I'm not trying to lose weight, but is that correct? Is fiber really as important as I've heard other nutritionists talk about? Like, like are are we severely lacking in fiber?
1: Well, a diet that's not rich in fruits and vegetables is, lacking in fiber because it comes from tea pods it comes from corn it comes from um brussels sprouts it comes from your cruciferous vegetables uh carrots all that kind of stuff um the idea of a colon cleanse has been sold as propaganda Dang sell it. products <laughs> because they want you to, they want you to see this stuff pass out and then have this feeling of I've done something, I've accomplished something. You kind of just put a lot of water. Fiber brings water in. That's really what happens. Uh, fiber is non-digestible and it water comes into the, the gut to help to move it along. That's why water, 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 uh, dehydration is a, a, dehydration is a leading cause of people not thinking clearly it's a leading cause of people having brain fog. It's a leading cause of people's bathroom habits. I couldn't say that when, like, if I can give you one free tip, it's water, water, water. And the reason I say that is because so much of what we also consume dehydrates right. coffee. You drink coffee, It's a, it dehydrates you. And then you need to make up an extra. So if you had, if you need eight cups in one day, then you drink all this soda and caffeine and even chocolate has caffeine and you dehydrate yourself. So you've got to catch up and have more. Um, the app, uh, the water intake that someone needs is half of their body weight in ounces. So if you're 200 pounds, you need a hundred ounces. Wow. If you're a hundred pounds, you know, as a child, a hundred pounds, you need 50 ounces. And so, Eight, six to eight glasses is a good round number, but it's not the magic number because everybody's weight is different. Your body types are different. Your activities are different. The way you sweat is different. So,
0: all right. So, Tanya, as we're as we're wrapping around the end, uh, I want to. I've got one more important question for you, but I. But before that, I want to make sure people have access to you, have access to your, your journaling program, the mindful me journey. Um, And so I want you to talk about where people, where parents can find you, get in contact with you, follow up with you, do their work alongside of you.
1: Great. The one thing I will say is that I have a family lifestyle wellness promotion program. And I have it for individuals and I have it for families and you can do it individually. It's an co- individual coaching program that a family can go through together, or you can do it with me one-on-one as a coaching kind of approach. And if you're looking for a way to evaluate 10 dimensions of health and well-being, evaluate your wellness values as a family, assess your readiness for change to even make changes as a family and establish some lifestyle goals as a family or as an individual that is available on my website. And I would say, you know, if you're, if you're looking for some different way to unify as a family and to kind of come up with some family goals, this is a great tool to help you do that. And the website is www.litwellnesssolutions.com. The other is my journaling program. And if, if you're a mom or a dad who is struggling with diet culture, And maybe you're feeling like teens are picking up on some of your bad habits. And what would those bad habits be? Um, I talk about food and dieting all the time. Talk about how fat I am. Talk about the latest, greatest, you know, oh, I need to lose five pounds. Um, If that's part of your vocabulary and you're into body image issues and you're sharing that with your children, maybe you need to understand what am I doing with food? Why am I doing it? Why do I keep dieting, chronic dieting? The Mindful Me journaling program may just be for you. Um, It's available on Amazon. It's a 40-day journaling program to help you move closer to a healthier relationship with food and exercise. It helps you look at the what and why of what you're doing. It then takes you to another phase of helping you to establish what are alternatives. Could I put something in place? um, I think I'm hungry, but I'm not really sure. Let me wait 10 minutes and let me see if I'm, I really am hungry or if this is just a reaction. Those types of things. Third phase is guardrails. I know I overeat when I sit and eat in front of a computer or a television. So I'm going to kind of put a guardrail in place for myself that says I only eat at a table or I only take things out of a bag and put them on a plate. So guardrails are things you develop to kind of help you be successful at what you're looking to do. And then the fourth phase is really focusing on whole foods. What are the whole foods that I can be eating that are going to provide nutrition and nutrients to my body and not giving in to all the propaganda of the world and the diet culture? So you can do that individually or you can do it one-on-one with coaching, whatever works for you. But it's out there. It's a tool. It's a strategic tool. Um, we've now got it in the hands of some local eating disorder clinics that they're using it with people as they're working through their outpatient programs as well. So it's a good tool that um, maybe anybody who's working in the disordered eating community might find helpful as well.
0: How do people get in touch with you directly? Do you have a an email address you prefer to hand out or messenger on Facebook?
1: Tanya at litwellnesssolutions.com. And there's links, right? You can actually... <laughs> If you go to my website, there's a QR code and you can actually scan it. And it gives you all my information, all my socials and everything
0: right there. Gives you the business card. That's fantastic. Okay. So here's my final kicker question. uh, And that is, what is, in your opinion, Tanya, the most harmful, healthy practice we have?
1: Dieting. The most harmful, healthy practice that, you know, is, is dieting. Um, believing that we've got to follow some special program and that we've got to lose weight. Everybody believes they've got to be, they've got to lose weight. And partly that becomes, um, again, let's go back to ectomorph, mesomorph, and endomorph. Um, it's the endomorph population. You might need to get rid of the pies, the cakes, the cookies, the candy bars and get down to uh, a, a healthier weight. But you, but using BMI and following that and saying, well, I, my BMI is high, so therefore I'm fat or I'm obese and again, labeling people. BMIs were made just like the Metropolitan Charts in the 50s were made to categorize people according to population for insurance purposes. It was not to categorize people as healthy or unhealthy or anything else. It's one parameter. Waist circumference is another parameter. You want to look at all those parameters together. That's kind of the physical well-being category. Um, dieting and propaganda of being on a diet. I think that's the diet culture has become has ruined a lot of people. I am me. I am a mesoendomorph. And I am not going to look like an exo-mesomorph. I'm not going to, it doesn't matter how much I follow some diet or some fitness plan or some routine, that's not the body type that I have. And so the world is telling us that we need to look like these certain amount of people. We need to be the best, healthiest us we can be at the weight and size we are. And that's where body acceptance comes in and the world is gonna tell you otherwise, the world is gonna tell you that you're not good enough, you're not thin enough, you're not fit enough, you're not healthy enough, you can only be the one to decide that for yourself.
0: My guest today was Tanya Jolliffe. Uh, Tanya can be found at www.litwellnesssolutions.com. Her email address is there. And also go on to Amazon, check out her book, The Mindful Me Journey, a 40-day guided journal towards a healthier relationship with food and exercise. I wanna I wanna also make something clear. Earlier when we were talking about body rapport and Tanya said I went Tanya said I went through that thing myself. Um, I didn't. I had a coach that took me through my fitness and my wellness, my body nutrition and taught me body rapport. Uh, that coach was Tom Tewilliger and his wife Dawn Tewilliger, who are brilliant, brilliant uh, fitness people. So A, shout out to them. B, don't do this alone. Find someone like Tanya who's gonna get out there with a workbook and get you conscious about the work that's in front of you as you improve your relationship with food and exercise. My thanks to Tanya. Thank you parents for listening to Beyond Risk and back. Take care of yourselves first, your adult relationship second, and your children third, because that's how we do our best work with our children. I'll see you next time on Beyond Risk and back.